0: Welcome to the Frank and Tech Podcast with your hosts, Erwin, Jacob, and George. Um, this is
1: George, and in this episode, we talk about Google Slides and Chrome. This is Jacob, and I'm going to be talking to you about Google Sheets and Docs.
2: And this is Erwin, I will be talking about Google Drive and the cloud.
1: Welcome back for episode two
0: on March 22nd, 2017, titled Everything You Want to Know About Google, We're Too Afraid to Ask. In the world of tech, a powerful computer is built from using different components. It's called Frankenstein Design. In our podcast, Tech, we will look at what tools and tips could help you create the best product for your students. Come listen and see what Franken Tech tools we find. Did you know that in life, Amazon Prime announces one-day shipping? So yesterday, I uh, got something that I ordered the day before, and I almost argued with the UPS driver that that was not mine because I didn't know that in Santa Rosa... Or any, anything in the area of Santa Rosa, we have a uh, shipping location now so that anything you order on Amazon Prime that says one-day shipping gets to you right away.
1: So I have a piece of tech for you. So one of the podcasts i listen to is Reply All. In episode 90, they have this term that I love. It's called the shield of boringness. So I don't know if you know what Silverlight is, but you've probably seen it when you're trying to watch Netflix. You're like, oh, what is this thing I have to install? It's a content protection DRM, and there's a big move in it, and it's going to make a lot of changes to how we uh, access content online. But it's protected by a shield of boring technical jargon. So they're they're interviewing a guy talking about how it could be a big sweeping change for all of us. But a lot of these changes in the technology world are protected by this concept of a shield of boringness. So uh, check it out; it's a good podcast, um, and they talk about it more. But it's a big change to how we might access media content. But I have to warn you; it's protected by the shield of boringness.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, so for the fun, or for the fun. <laughs> Um, actually, I didn't know this, and I'm kind of hustling last night just trying to figure out, oh, what am I going to share? What am I going to share? So I did not know this, but you guys know who Larry Page is, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't, he is the co-founder of Google, right? And so um, according to the Science Channel and BoardPanda.com, um, <laughs> Google was inspired by a dream. So Larry Page goes to sleep one day. Has a dream, and then the next day he's like, "Oh, let's download the internet on a bunch of computers," and that's how Google was born. That was pretty cool. Anyways, cool. In the dream. In the dream.
0: Okay. <laughs> so you're listening to podcast two on March 22nd, 2017, and the title of this podcast is "Everything You Wanted to Know About Google, But We're Afraid to Ask." And so uh, we're going to go through our introductions. And my name is George Barcenas. I'm a media specialist for Bellevue Union School District.
2: And I'm Erwin Espino, I'm the Technology Coordinator for Bellevue Union School District.
1: And I'm Jacob Lopez, and I'm the IT Director for the Bellevue Union School District. Now before we worked at Bellevue, we want to share
0: one little thing with you. Um, our first jobs, and so my first job kind of ties to what I'm going to talk to you today is uh, I worked for Blockbuster Video, and it was in Walla Walla, Washington. I got that job, and I actually remember the conversation I had with my manager when I turned down the position of manager, um, is that he thought that I should Put, I was really good at it because I love talking to people and I love being recommendations and kind of doing what I'm doing right now, but he thought I had a career in blockbuster videos, so I could have I <laughs> dropped out of college and been a blockbuster manager, and I still remember his name, Robert, and i um, glad I didn't do that. Do you ever regret that decision, George? You <laughs> could have a booming career in the video
1: <laughs> rental industry. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's something I want to with that, but no, I do not regret that. I love the job. It
2: was fun.
1: <laughs> So uh, my first job was I worked at Coldstone Creamery, and I was a shift lead there, and it was back in the day, I don't think they do this anymore, but you had to sing if you got a dollar tip, and I actually loved that, and I wrote my own Cold Stone songs, inclu- including Oops, I Did It Again, I Mixed Your Ice Cream, and It Tasted So Good, and so I had like about five different songs that I wrote for the Coldstone Creamery location that we were at, and I went there like five years ago, I've been there a long time, but the location I worked at in high school, they had a framed picture of me on the wall. So it's probably the most lasting impact I'm going to have in my life. So I'm we really should, proud of that.
2: We should go and check that out, see if they still have that. No,
1: I don't want to. Uh,
2: oh, come th- on. Where, where was this? We're <laughs> at least sing the song. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Only if I get a dollar.
2: <laughs> oh, man. I don't have one any. Oh, there you go.
1: <laughs> All right. So George just handed me a dollar, and I did not think that would happen. <laughs> Who has cash these days, George? Oops, I did it again. I mixed your ice cream. It tasted so good. Oh. I said, you guys maybe me laugh today. Oh, okay. that's just a taste. <laughs> that's all you get for a dollar because of inflation.
2: <laughs> that's awesome. Sorry, follow that one up. That is awesome. Well, mine um, uh, my, my can't top that. But anyways, my first job actually it was working for my brother. Um, he had a he worked for a, at the time he was a a the basically the head custodian at Macy's in San Rafael. and he's like, hey, I'm gonna give you a part time job when I was in high school. So, um, it sucked because I had to wake up, like, at 4 in the morning, like, every weekend and uh, work for, like, you know, 4 or 5 hours and then go home, help my parents. Anyways, it wasn't fun. And making very little money. <laughs> Man, working with your parents sucks. <laughs> working with family sucks. Yeah, because yeah. they're always like, oh, you want yeah. food? Yeah. Want food <laughs> your rent? All right. <laughs> exactly.
0: All right, so here we are for our second show, and we're tackling a pretty big topic for it. Um, we are at Google district, which is now called G Suite, which not my favorite name but that's what we are and we use Google products um, but in talking to people about this show and kind of getting feedback um, and questions that people were asking me like what is Sheets or, or, or what is the things that we were talking about and even people that uh, uh, kind of we, we hire people they jump on board and we're already a couple years down the road of Google products uh, people always want to know well what's this but maybe they're afraid to ask that so we want to talk more about the products that we are talking about or the ones that we use so this show will be like a dad talking to the child. So we're all wearing our sweaters and and we're having that conversation with our sons and daughters about being googly. So what we to start out is something that you like about the Google world. And I'll and I'll go first on this one because one of the things I love about the Google world is uh we had an opportunity uh and I screwed this up royally. So hopefully it didn't catch up to us. We met a guy named Tom uh, Sayer and Jacob prepared me for it. He works. What is his title for Google? What do he do? He's he's the
1: he works in the uh, Google for Education department, so he's a manager in that department, so he kind of looks, I, what he was telling me is that Google's trying to figure out what their role in terms of, uh, their role they have in a leadership position to kind of shape how education works in the United States. They're kind of, he's working to help define that for Google and make an impact beyond just the technical implementation, but on the uh, pedagogical implementation of technology in the classroom. So that's what he's trying to visit schools to kind of figure out how to do that.
0: So he showed up to my
1: classroom on Friday, the last day before we go to spring break,
0: and um, Jacob had prepped me that, you know, this is his name, and this is who he is, and I called him Ted so- Sawyer, or something, <laughs> and I think it threw me off, he's, um you know, he started with the, he didn't tell me the British accent, so he starts talking, and I'm just Sorry. like, I know, I just totally just lost it, I was like, da-da-da-da, oh, and so then, uh, but then he started coming up, and the way he talked to the kids... And the thing that he shared about the um, seven bro- seven products they have, that have a billion users already. I thought that was pretty powerful. And, um, and that'll be one of our, our, our little, like, game questions later on. What are the seven products? But um, I love that, that someone like that would show up to our area, to our school, and want to know and ask. And one of the things I love about Google so far that I've seen is they listen. So that's my favorite thing.
2: Uh, Well, um, George and Jacob, uh, I want to say thanks for having me back on the show, Um, but I will be honest, I did not prepare again,
1: Um,
2: so I think this is officially my last show, guys, Um, but um, I've said I'm like four, five, six times already, so I will apologize uh, for all the ums and uhs you will hear ahead, Um, I I promise I'll do my best to get rid of them, Um, but... Basically, bouncing off what George was saying, um, I uh, one of the things I really love about Google is it's a tool that, that we all use every day, and sometimes we use it uh, consciously or subconsciously. It, like you're you're either thinking about it or you're not, and um, but it provides us with, a, I mean, an enormous amount of information. Um, and, you know, if you have a question and you want an answer, uh, you go to it, and uh, that's Google search. I mean, Google Search is by far the number one tool I use um, every day for simple things like, you know, just knowing the weather and, you know, traffic, things like that, or even news. Um, and uh, it's... How to
0: prepare for a podcast.
2: Exactly. And I actually put that on my on my notes here, yeah. So, and even how to prepare for this podcast. And so, um, it's just a service you can rely on. And it's awesome because it's free. That's the most... That's the awesome part of it is like, you don't have to sign up to use it. You just... Go to google.com and you just type away. I think that's pretty cool. That's what I love about Google. So So I
1: uh, I love Google's mission statement, which is to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. And I also like that they have the moral guidance, which their official moral guidance is don't be evil, which they decided at one of their first board meetings. And so that's kind of their guiding uh, principle for them as an organization. And I like that um, one of the things I look at when I look at technology is how open source or how well it works with other people. So one of my biggest criticisms of Apple is, like, um, a lot of my family uses FaceTime. And FaceTime, you have to own an Apple product to use FaceTime. So they lock communication into an ecosystem of products that are usually the most expensive in their category. So if you look at phones, laptops, desktops, the Apple version is the most expensive. So you look at... Who buys these products? It's usually middle to upper class people own the Apple products. And a lot of the poor people have Android or Windows laptops. And so I don't like technologies that lock people out of communicating or working together. And Google, um, you can get a Google account for free and get access to their full product suite. You can do Hangouts on any device, Apple, Windows, Windows. Um, I think they do it on Linux as well, which is only really relevant to the nerds up there, Nerds (laughs) Unite. But um, I like how open source they are and how um, they have engineers that dedicate time to create connectors for other products. So we use uh, GAM, Google Apps Manager, that allows us to create Google accounts for our students automatically on a Linux server. And they created that connector just to make things easier. So they're not saying, oh, you have to use our products for everything. They recognize that there's other products that we want to use, and their goal is to make the best product but also to allow, in my opinion, people to choose other products and try to make their products work with those other products as well as possible, which I like that is their mission to kind of not lock you into their platform but make their platform as competitive to the other platforms as possible Would allow you to use what you want to use and allow anyone to participate as inexpensively as possible.
0: Wow. Cool. No, and... Yeah. and- and, and that's one of the things I wanted to hit on before we go into the next fill up, is um, we want to make sure that in in this podcast, if we do something wrong <laughs> or we say something, so um, I I love sharing stuff too. I always share what I do uh, to the people that were gonna be honest with me and critique me. And so one of my friends, uh, Jordan Kurgan, uh, listened to this podcast and he goes, "Hey George, um, how do you spell Prisma?" And I think he was being sarcastic. And I went back and listened to it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I spelled." Um, primsa which is uh, not correct so the first thing i want to do before <laughs> is you know uh, i want to correct myself on that so prisma is not with sa it's ma so prisma is is the app that we were using are you sure I think so. I didn't write it down. (laughs) Now (laughs) you make me question. So I want to make sure. But then again, I also want to say that, uh, Erwin, you'll always have a place uh, on this this podcast. Because no, uh, because you may not be prepared, but you're over-prepared in the sense of I can ask you a question and go, hey, uh, this hard drive that I went to go get fixed at – Best Buy, and they're telling me I got to send it to a $500 place to put, take it all apart and do all this stuff. You got me to buy, what was it, $8.99 case? Yeah,
2: I like turn on case.
0: He made my wife cry. Actually, he made me cry first, and I hit him and I surprised him. But then my <laughs> wife has his pictures on this uh, hard drive that she's been trying to get fixed for years, and Irwin just immediately said, hey, get this. He opened it up and said, replace it with this. This thing is bad. And now we've been able to look at pictures from my firstborn son that we thought we lost. And so that is being prepared. So you're kind of <laughs> like a Boy Scout. You're like MacGyver. You may not have all your show notes, but you know exactly what to talk about. So for me, that's open invitation. So don't don't no. feel bad.
1: So two comments for George based on what he said. And then I'll and then I'll also tell Erwin that we know where he lives and we can go. Uh, <laughs> we're not above kidnapping <laughs> to get on the next podcast. But uh for George, Do you tell him you didn't put your photos on the cloud? <laughs> <laughs> no. This was the this thing is from
0: 2005. Uh, uh, so this was
1: like in your dark days before you saw the light. You were Actually, in a gutter with like USB sticks and external hard drives yes. around you. Actually, before
0: working in this district, I didn't really. Like the Apple Cloud, and I'll tell you that iCloud kind of sucks in the way that it doesn't give you the options that the, the Google one does where you store stuff. It's a totally different, like it'll back up my stuff. But I can't put stuff on there, and that's one of the problems I have with Apple. Is there not as user friendly as I feel Google is? Like until I started working in this district, a lot of the questions we're going to talk about today, I didn't even know. I didn't no idea there was this Google World uh, two years ago. I didn't know that there was this all these other things out there beyond just the Apple realm. And so now, yes, if something like that ever happens to me, you're prepared. I'm prepared.
1: I'm prepared Instead of for the
0: apocalypse. Then,
1: guys, I'm going to tell Erwin if he, if he has another hard drive failure, don't get those pictures. <laughs> he deserves it. Oh my God. <laughs> That's just my evil IT like robotic voice coming out but i want to say also i had a correct correction from last time i said that google had the ai design the cooling system the ai just managed the cooling system so that may be a minor correction for some of you but i thought listen to it afterwards i was like oh man because that that bothers me so i want to like george said i want to correct if i say anything inaccurate let me know, and I want to. I want this to be accurate for everyone. So that was a correction that I know. When I list back on the podcast, I was like, "Oh, that's not right." I got too excited. So oh, <laughs> we were all nervous, and, and that's why it came out that way. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's my correction from last 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 show.
2: Well, this is Irwin, by the way. Um, <laughs> I'm still here. The, uh, George and Jay haven't kicked me out yet. Um, actually, the whole entire episode one podcast—just scratch everything I said. Just forget about it. It never happened. Um, And actually, I am prepared for this one. I think I am. I have notes, but they're kind of like all over the place. Anyways, yeah, so, yeah. You're good. I think I'm good, though. I, I think I, I wasn't prepared, and apparently I don't have any corrections, so... I'm just <laughs> joking. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm God. just kidding, guys. I All right, like so this. here we go. So we're going to
0: the Phillips. Now, Phillip, uh, uh, the way we, we I, I kind of talked to the guys about this, I wanted something that we could share that's in and out of the classroom, but it can also be an in-in or an out-out, depending on what you want to share. Um, so it's about a filling up each other and then hopefully filling you up. So to start... Um, uh, I wanted to share one that's in and one that's out. And and I, I wanted to just go back, a step back, and it says, I gave you an example of, of what I liked, which is the guilty pleasure of watching Top Chef, but I didn't do a very good job explaining why I love the show. Now, um, I I listened to it. I listened to this podcast as soon as we finished it, and I went back and I was like, man, I missed that opportunity But I wanted to make sure I explained that. So I have never eaten a scallop. I know they're always talking about scallop or fried octopus, or half the time I'm, I have no idea what they're talking about like from a flavor profile but listening to the chef describe it or seeing the passion that they cook it gets to me and that's the thing um if you've never seen Top Chef it's always a story behind their food and uh, watching that show kind of reaffirms a belief that I have that um anything with passion gives the best flavor and so um I even know this last episode that's one of the things I think Jacob I don't know if you like Sheldon for that but Sheldon I felt always cooked something that was not like um Like, faux gras or something, like, over the top. a lot of times I'm like, he's really putting that out? He's really going to just make something as basic as that? And and I have a lot of Filipino friends, so when he was saying stuff and he was making it, I was like, oh, my gosh, he's going to lose. But the flavors that people were talking about and the way he did it and he put himself behind it uh, made me see uh, what he was trying to do. So I, I want to make sure that when I do anything I do, uh, even with this podcast or what I do in my daily life, that if I cook it with passion, then I'll design top chef quality. So that's kind of like what I want this podcast or what I do to be. <laughs>
2: in my classroom
0: topic, uh, what I want to my end um, in the classroom is I want to share my professional learning network. Um, and I know I talked a little bit about this with you, Erwin, but I just wanted to kind of give you a glimpse into what I'm talking about. And so um, this year, my goal has been to reach out to like, like-minded individuals. Um, I'm gonna tell you last year was really hard for me of sometimes not feeling like I had the question the answers to everything and not having a group that I felt like I could talk about these things. And so um, I was struggling with like a project or an idea. And then this year being able to reach out to a group has helped me get the inspiration or another way to do it and and what I need. So there's two products that I mainly use for this. Um, They're both apps and they're both computer based. So I like that I can use them. And one actually works better on a computer than it does on your phone. The first one is Voxer, and I know you were kind of like kind of trying to figure out what you wanted to do, but it's the walkie-talkie app that allows you to add your voice, text, gifs, um, it links into a conversation. And when it first came out, it was supposed to take over the Nextel. I don't know if you guys remember that little chirp it used to do, those Nextel phones. Uh, The function. And so when I first got it, that's the only way I used it. I used to use it as a, hey, where are you at? Remember? I don't know if you remember the commercial, but it was always like, where are you at? And then we're back back and forth. And that's how I used it and I deleted the app. I remember this came out like four or five years ago that it started. (laughs) And I just didn't use it. It didn't make any sense to me. And then um, has been repurposed. And one of the things I've been noticing that is a lot of things have been repurposed. Like um, I'm playing with Snapchat, and that will be a future one. But I think of it as a totally kid medium. But now I'm starting to see there's a powerful use of it in education. But with Boxer, um, uh, it allows you to give responses. So in group discussions or – and I'm going to add a sample to the audio of this to show one that that is part. And I'm going to put in the show notes a screenshot so you could see that uh, by asking a question to a group – Uh, People can give you answers right away from all over the country. So um, I was listening to a lady from Alabama uh, a couple nights ago talk about a problem she's having uh, with Chromebooks. And then someone right immediately gave her a quick fix uh, that was from like Marin. And I thought that was pretty cool. And and Voxer brings that together. The second tool is an oldie but a goodie. Uh, It's Twitter. Now, did you join yet or no? No. Okay. No, okay. So, so, so no, no. And I know, I know. Twitter, and and here's the thing with Twitter. It's it right now because President Trump is using it a lot. It's getting some attention, but people aren't really seeing that. His message is going to a lot of people quickly. And that's one of the purposes with Twitter that I think is pretty powerful. <laughs> now, most people think of Twitter is just a place to see what you're eating, doing, or gossiping about. But education has, again, repurposed this for to make it a powerful meeting place. So on Mondays at 8 o'clock, my phone blows up. And because I join a group called Tosa Chat, that they make these little slide shows or these little slide questions. And they'll ask a question. So like, hey, what's a tool you're using right now? and then everyone goes A, so the question is question one, and then people go A1, and then they'll answer the question. And then all of a sudden you'll start to see... All these tools coming out that you may have not have heard, and kind of like what we're doing right here is having that chat. Mm-hmm. Now, on your phone, you can't keep up with it. On your phone, it's like too much, and so that's why I was telling you that uh, TweetDeck is that what it was? Mm-hmm. TweetDeck, it what it allows you to do. TweetDeck allows you to take your Twitter account and make columns of conversations or hashtags that you want to keep track of. So I have a column that's just Toasted Chat, and in that Toasted Chat, I can go through and. And follow conversations like a lurker. I can insert stuff that I want to. I can like things. I can retweet things. And it just kind of, kind of gets you in this whole conversation of like, wow, there's all these other group of people that are like that. Now, there's gamer sites, like if you're into a game, you can put yourself in that chat and they usually have nights that they do this. Uh, World of Warcraft, I found one. I was just I was hashtagging things, looking them up and saying how many differences were there, and there's a ton. Now, some of them are positive and some of them are negative, and that's again, the realm of Twitter that you get to, but if you're into something, there's a group of people that are also into it, and you can kind of have that that conversation. So, I'll put some examples on the, on the show notes, but that's kind of how uh, I feel right now. I get energized on Monday. If you see me on Monday, uh, Tuesday mornings, I usually have all this stuff going in my head from Monday night. The only thing I need to do that I will recommend is don't link your notifications to your email because at the end of those chats, I have like 54 emails on my on my <laughs> phone, and if you have to delete your things one by one, <laughs> kind of sucks. So I need yeah. to figure that out. Okay. All right, that's
1: nice. Awesome. So I want to share uh, two things this month. Both are out of the classroom, but they both have direct implications on the classroom. And also, this is the month of, uh, it's called uh, Tripod. So all the podcasts are uh, using hashtag tripod and trying to get people that don't listen to podcasts to listen to podcasts. It's a little bit ironic because most of the advertising is taking place on podcasts, so it's not really reaching the target audience. But um, I'm going to talk about two different things that I think uh, that I learned about on, uh, on two of my favorite podcasts and how they, I think they uh, affect education. They both have to do with uh, fake news and looking at uh, content critically. So the first one is from a, a modern story. It's from Planet Money, which is one of my favorite podcasts. It's an NPR podcast. It's also on the radio. And this one, they look at one of the fake news kingpins. So what they did is they actually looked at fake news stories that were linked to on Facebook and other areas. And then they looked at the websites that were, had published those stories. And they looked at the domain registration. So who, who owned that domain? And they went out to San Diego to a P.O. box that they're registered to and then found out who owned that P.O. box. And they just went to this house in suburban San Diego, knocked on the door, and asked if the guy that was registered, that had registered the domains lived there. First, the guy said no. Then he said, oh, yeah, by the way, that's me. And so they, they prefaced the whole story with the fact that this guy uh, was a con artist professionally. So the interview could be suspect. Um, but he talked about um, how his operation kind of worked. And what he did is he basically would create um, like. Probably hundreds of different fake news websites, so things like the Santa Rosa Herald, which I don't think is a real one, but you make these things that sound seemingly legitimate, make a website that looks seemingly legitimate, and then we make circular references where all the websites are referencing each other. So when you go and check their sources, <laughs> they're referencing like the Mi- Miami Times or whatever, like some other that might be a real newspaper. I don't know, but they reference <laughs> other fake newspapers that he also owns, and he was pulling in tens of thousands of dollars a month personally, and at one point had a staff of around twenty writers that were all writing these fake news stories. Man, Wait, how that's insane. Of that? Off advertising revenue, so the websites would. All have advertisements on the Mm. sidebars, so he'd advertise his fake news on things like Facebook. He his goal to get as many people to repost it or retweet it or whatever. They would link, they would click on the article, go to his website, and he'd have advertisements on the sides to make money. And uh, one of his (laughs) news stories that he was most proud of was he had one that Hillary Clinton had worked with the FBI to have to assassinate uh, an opponent, and they and it was all about this dark kind of cover up, and there was. Uh, kind of adult exploits and um, and murder and espionage and all this stuff and that one got about um, two million hits and then he had another one that was picked up by a major news or- organization about people using food stamps to buy uh, medical marijuana in Colorado and that was picked up by major major news news agencies and spread around so that's kind of that's something we think about because we think okay technology is great at sharing information but it also empowers people to share fake information. So they're kind of talking about that. And Facebook and Google have both been in the news recently for working on this. I don't know if you saw, Google recently had a bunch of major companies drop them for use, use in advertising because on their their advertisements are showing up alongside advertisements for, uh, for hate groups. So they're trying to get Google to do a better job of cull through all this fake news and propaganda and kind of hate speech. And Facebook's getting a lot of similar pushback. So it's something they're grappling with right now. Then the second story, which is way back when, kind of shows a different time where technology is grappling with the spread of information. And I thought this story was one of the most fascinating stories I've ever heard. And I was like, man, why did I learn this in history? I would have been so much more engaged if I had learned about this. It has a con- congressional act specifically about this guy. It's called the Brinkley Act. So this guy at the birth of radio, this guy John R. Brinkley, he adopted radio very early on. And he was um, a quote-unquote medical doctor, although it's suspect whether or not he actually received any medical training. And he had a surgery where he'd insert goat glands into human males to help with impotency. And he created cure-all elixirs and all this stuff, and he would advertise it all on the radio. Then he ran for uh, governor of Kansas, and at the time, no one knew about radio. It was like he was the first person on Facebook, and he had a private airplane because he had made so much money advertising on his radio. He's flying all over Kansas advertising on the radio. The other politicians were like, what's this new radio thing? We don't know anything about that. This new fatal technology. <laughs> so he was reaching uh, a, a, interne- or a national audience almost uh, at the time, and the other politicians couldn't keep up. They passed a <laughs> law right before the governor election saying your vote only counted if you spelled your candidate's name correctly. And so although he got more votes, he didn't win the governorship because of that law. They are scrambling to try to keep him from winning. He then moved to Texas <laughs> Because the Brinkley Act was passed, which regulated how people could transmit on the radio. So he moved to Texas, had a radio station in Mexico that broadcast at a million watts. So this radio station was so powerful that the people in his town could hear the radio on their metal fences and their tooth filings and their car's headlights would turn on and off on their own because the radio waves were so powerful. And then they passed another law banning him because he had a wire going across the border to his radio station (laughs) so he could broadcast in his house. Passed another law to ban that. Then he just wrote it down and had it. Messengers uh, messenger sent his radio broadcast to Mexico. This is how famous this guy was. So he went to the premiere of Gone with the Wind, and Clark Gable was there, the famous actor. And at the after the after the premiere, all the press wanted to interview he, him to get his thoughts about the movie premiere. So this guy was epically famous. And um <laughs> he was only taken down when the American Medical Association, which was just in its infancy, uh wrote a wrote a piece talking about how all his elixirs were not, some of them were poisonous. And a lot of them did nothing and about how his surgery often killed people. And so he sued them for liable. And in the court hearing, it came out through the medical testimony that he had been a fraudster. And then he ended up losing everything, pretty much. Oh, wow. But this guy had, I mean, he, uh, is fam- he, he's known to have popularized uh, Western music because he uh, broadcast Western music on his radio station, which is so powerful. It even occasionally reached Europe, some people reported Because there was no limits on how powerful the radio could be in Mexico. so um, It can't be that powerful anymore, right? No, you can't broadcast in a million watts. Okay. Um, So I just thought that story was so fascinating. That was on uh, Reply All, episode 86. It's linked to on the show notes. Um, But I wanted to kind of keep this positive. So there's a... A website and a Twitter feed called the Pessimist Archive, and it talks about different times where people thought technology was going to ruin everything. (laughs) And uh, Socrates thought that writing was uh, like the devil's work. So this is a quote from Socrates about writing. The discovery of yours will create forgetfulness in the learner's souls because they will use their memories. They will not use their memories. They will trust to the external written characters and not remember of themselves. So I put the full quote kind of in there. But whenever a new technology comes out that disrupts uh, uh, kind of how people are able to communicate, it gets vilified and people think it's the end of thought and everyone's going to be dumbed down. And it's really disruptive and bad things can happen, but I'm uh, optimistic that the uh, culture will shift to kind of embrace it more in a more uh, positive way and people will get better at kind of being critical thinkers, Mm -hmm. which is why I think it has an impact on the classroom. I think it's our job as educators to develop that critical thought in our students. so Their students can look at these suspect news sources and really dive deep into where does a source ultimately originate? Not just, is it referencing other fake news sites? Where is this source actually coming from? And is that a legitimate source? And do I trust that source? And also, um, there's a quote from uh, Einstein, sorry, I'll get off my soapbox in a second, but there's a quote from Einstein <laughs> oh, where, where uh, he said that uh, humanity, something like this, I'm misquoting, but humanity always trails technology. So he talks kind of about how cu- people's, the culture's ability to handle technology is slightly behind the technology at all times. And, there's co- and he dreams of a day where humanity finally catches up to technology. So I think right now we're seeing a lag in uh, c- our cultural ability to handle the technology we have, which is... Awesome and powerful, and can help, uh, I think, and in, in, in overall be a huge help to us. But I think you have to do a good job of helping our students and adults as well navigate this new technology because yeah. it's kind of scary. I mean, I have a family on Facebook that has a wide range of political beliefs, and I see them all insulating themselves, dropping friends into little echo chambers where they just have a group of people that reinforce their beliefs that may or may not be accurate. Yeah. And that's kind of uh, scary to me because I see us getting more and more isolated politically. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping the technology can figure out a way to. Uh, close those gaps and uh yeah. broaden people's network networks, not shrink them down.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's it. Sorry, I don't mean no, to be on powerful, my soapbox.
2: No, that's good. That's, man. that's awesome.
1: But that's Three podcasts: Reply All, Planet Money, and the one—the um, one about the printing press—is Hardcore History. And they're all—all all the episodes are linked to the show notes. So those are all awesome podcasts and all great episodes. So I recommend you guys check those out if you're interested in any of those stories. The Brinkley
0: one is on uh, Planet
1: Money. The Brinkley one, so the Brinkley one is on Reply All. That's an epi- that's a podcast about technology and how it affects people. Um, the the um, modern. Um, look at the uh, uh fake news is on planet uh, money that's episode 739 and then hardcore history talks about the printing press and how that caused problems um and the, all the t- tumult i didn't talk about that very much but that's also awesome podcast and great episode okay
2: this is erwin guys i'm still here um <laughs> i'm uh, still sticking around uh man that's 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 good a lot, a lot of information that's that, that was awesome actually um, well, what I want to talk about is um, these are both in and out of the classroom apps that um, you're welcome to try out and use. Um, but the first one I want to talk about is um, it's called Thunkable. It's spelled uh, T-H-U-N-K-A-B-L-E. Thunkable. I think sure? I'm pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think. Um, and uh, currently, there's no support for iOS or Apple devices. Um, it's only supported Android, but there is support coming for iOS. Uh, and essentially, it allows you um, to uh, create your own, uh, to uh, design, test, and you can publish your own apps. Uh, and so, uh, you don't have to know how to write code. The way they design this is they use a drag and drop design framework, which is very similar to uh, Code.org if you've ever used that. So um, the app itself, or or it, it you essentially use a computer or or to visit a site uh, thunkable.com you sign up and you can actually integrate it with your your Gmail account which is really nice so if you have either a personal Gmail account or a a school Gmail account um, you can uh, integrate them together so uh, you can start building apps, and so one of the things I'm going to try to do here is I'm 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 and I didn't share it with you guys is I'm going to try to design. I'm going to see how easy it is, and so hopefully by the next podcast, I may have a um, an app or at least in beta uh, for this podcast, so we could uh, see how how easy it is to use. Because trust me, if I can figure it out, uh, I mean I, I don't know a lot about code and 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 uh, you know any any uh, any of that stuff. Um, and so it, it would be nice to um, see how easy it is uh, to use. So, hopefully, I can have that ready, uh, at least something to show you guys for, for next uh, podcast. So, I'll, I'll try to do that. But uh, it was designed by um, a, uh, a student at MIT. And uh, so, it, it must be something that, that works, I would say. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, it's just something to try out that's stunkable. And um, the next one, um, it's called Vizia, and the uh, I'll spell that out to you. It's V-I-Z-I-A, um, and the website is uh, vizia.co, and essentially what the uh, website allows you to do is um, you can uh, integrate uh, questions or multi-choice quizzes. You can collect feedback Um Uh, while watching a particular video so one of the ways I see for example uh, this being used in the uh, like school sector is um, essentially teachers can uh, download or or assign particular specific YouTube videos for example to students and then you know students have to pay attention to things being said in video so then the teachers can ask questions or and then the other cool thing about this is um, when, when you ask the questions or students take quizzes, it actually exports that data into a uh, Google um, spreadsheet, so then you can grade it. So it's pretty cool. So it's something to check out, and it also integrates with your Gmail or your Word Gmail account, So, um, and that's Vizia.co. I mean, those are two apps that I think are, are uh, you know pretty cool to check out and, and try out and see how well they work in, in your environment. but. Um, yeah, that that's those are the two things I, I wanted to share with with you guys.
0: Cause that's the thunkable one. It's pretty cool. I yeah. I, I am <laughs> gonna start doing that as, as I'm playing with this, but uh, <laughs> I, I I that blows my mind. Yeah. Um, but again, it's it's a kind of an interesting concept of the whole. Yeah. Kind of open source and exactly. I, I yeah. know. Dealing with Apple, it's a toy even even loading the podcast, like even seeing that. and That's one thing that kind of threw me off. Like iTunes, I had to like give a blood sample, promise <laughs> me like I had to do all. I had to wait for someone to actually listen to it. Whereas like Google Play was just like, oh, it's loaded, it's accepted, and I had to you know sign the terms and conditions. So it was interesting how to how that works out. Um, we're gonna go to the first Frank and tech moment, which is gonna be the all the stuff about Google. And um, I know, I kind of, I, I was listening to you talk, Jacob, and I know you kind of, your, your, your sandbox, or your soapbox, sorry, and you, you stood on it, and I'm sitting there going, and like, like, the explosion's going off in my brain, because uh, one of the things I was going to reference to is, you know how I said Amazon Prime? is kind of, one of the things about the, the, the it's actually in the Press Democrat, which are our local paper, they're talking about how it's going to hit again, uh, the local stores, like they call them brick-and-mortar stores, yeah. the ones that, like the Macy's now, like they're talking about the big ones now and and I know when I was having that conversation with that and I, and I'm going to be honest with you when I had that conversation the first time I it was just like 19 19- and someone said hey you should be a manager at blockbuster i remember having that conversation thinking to what would i do with this awesome power of being a manager and having you know like all these ideas that were going in my head but i know blockbuster missed out on the opportunity to go where netflix went and netflix drove it out of out of business basically i think there's like one open somewhere in the in the middle of nowhere that's left open right uh, uh amazon is basically a website design uh, business that all these Macy's, all these C- all these other businesses that had websites before, they had opportunities to do that. And there's a book that I was reading um, that uh, it's uh, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And I was finishing it up and I was reading this one little thing that kind of got me inspired for this podcast that said that the railroads had an opportunity in the time that the Wright brothers went up into flight when the uh, airline you know not it wasn't the airline yet but the, they had an opportunity to to be involved and be the the people that were for the uh, funding the the whole air travel thing and they just thought you know what nothing's going to beat the railroad the railroad's going to be here forever we have these tracks we're railroad barons and we have all these things and they missed out on opportunities to innovate and i know uh one of the things that jacob shared with me a while ago was that google now or chromebooks are more in schools than Apple and Apple was kind of like the first one to come out and to be out there and now Apple's you know trying to reinvent and I don't know if you guys saw that that they just came out with their uh, the new iPad they're pricing it down so that it can be and it mm-hmm. can compete you know <laughs> the, it's coming out with a brand new one and I was yeah. like what and i almost sent it to you because you said you know Apple twos are gonna stop getting um uh service and updates uh coming up so I was like wow you know you have to be on the edge of innovation so We're going to go into this Google thing. The Google platform, we're going to break it down into three parts, if you guys can talk about this, is what is it, so what's the product, compare it to other products, and then what you... Finally, like, what you wish it did. And that was the whole thing we were talking about on the Voxer is, like, I know uh, my sister's very techy, but she's not a Google person. She's always been an Apple, and she's actually Linux and other things. And so she she was like, what is Sheets? What are you guys talking about? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, it's like this. And then we started looking at this. And I know two years ago I came on board, and uh, you guys gave me a Mac and said, welcome to Bellevue. Here's your Mac. And, oh, and then here's your Google. Pro. And I used to think of Google as a search. Engine, that's it, That's all I thought about. But mm-hmm. going back to the railroad baron idea or the Netflix idea or the uh, the idea of uh, what it's done is changed it completely. So, uh, we're all going to talk about one. Um, I'm going to talk about slides first. And slide was the first one that kind of got me going because when you guys gave me this product and say, Hey, um, this is Google, and I never knew that when I typed in Google and looked in the top corner, there was that little sign in, and once I signed in, there was this little uh app they call it the app. App Store, whatever that thing is. The I call it the waffle. Yeah, the waffle. And the waffle has all the products that I used to have to pay for I can use now. So, Slides for me is a, a total presentation platform that goes beyond what I used to use in PowerPoint. So, in PowerPoint, we all grew up with PowerPoint. Uh, slides is, is uh, PowerPoint for uh, Microsoft, and uh, for Apple, it's Keynote. And Microsoft I was really Office. getting into Keynote mm-hmm. or for Office. Microsoft Office. Microsoft and, and slides is an opportunity to present stuff in ways that um, it's the same. Like I find all the same things. The one thing that I noticed that is different for me that with slides that I really like is publishing slides. Because once I publish it, it comes in a presentation format, which means it's full screen. And then anything that I put on there that are link is clickable. And so I look at slides, for me, and I, maybe I just didn't play with PowerPoint enough. But when I looked at PowerPoint, I used, only used it as bullet points. I was going through, you know, your, your traditional presentation format. But with slides, I have found that I have made it more interactive. With kids especially, um, I know I always create two sets of slides when I do a presentation. A kid slide and then an adult slide because still want to see the bullet points they want a lot of writing but kids want interactive and the slides allows me when I create that that if I link hyperlink things and I go into presentation format by publishing it they can click on anything and then they can go different places within the slide or different places on the internet so for me I love that I can do that the uh, the products that it compares to as I said PowerPoint and keynote the one thing that I say that keynote has that PowerPoint I mean that slides don't have yet is that in Keynote, I can export my slides into uh, QuickTime, so it's a video, and that's the one thing I wish that slides would allow me to do, is, is to be able to export that as that. And then also, to have audio. Um, I know they just did a huge thing by adding video within the slide, which I thought was pretty powerful. But I'm like, but again, I have faith in Google now that when they go, no, they'll, they'll constantly change from the from the most first moment I played with slides to now. I've been able to take slides and, and, and animate my slides by doing like a stopgap stop gap animation, like a one by one. Um, I've been able to present them as web pages. So slides so far for me is a way powerful tool to use for kids. That's why I like about slides. As you can see, the music is starting up, and um, we're done editing this or filming this session. Uh, We found out that we were getting over an hour and one of our goals with our podcast was to always keep it within 30 to 45 minutes and not go over that um, because we want you to be able to listen to this on a car ride or when you have just a moment to do it, not uh, in a marathon. And this would end up becoming because there's so many Google things uh, that we wanted to show you that we didn't want to edit or skip or just rush through it. We wanted to kind of give a foundation because uh, we set the foundation and allow us to go further each time we get get into it so um, this is part one now um, the part two uh, will be loaded in a couple days um, so that you have time to get through this and then you can go into that one and uh, we'll go straight into uh, uh, the intro and then quickly into all the topics we have so this is part one on everything you wanted to know but we're too afraid to ask about google so hopefully you guys enjoyed this and again um, I'm using the same audio clip that Logan created for us um, he's a little DJ at our school and this is his shout out for Brazil um, which he called this uh, uh, credit box beat <laughs>